podcasting from Dallas, Texas. I am Shireen, and this is the Yumlish Podcast. Yumlish empowers people with chronic conditions like type 2 diabetes and heart disease to take charge of their health through diet. And this podcast is created to amplify the voices of patients, health professionals, employers, and community members who are working to reduce the risk of these chronic diseases and put your health first. Dr. Marsha Gale Davis talks to us about her background, her efforts within preventative medicine, and then she touches upon the environment that an individual is surrounded by, be it their physical environment, their social environment, foster community, and then lastly, speaking on the impact of cultural competency on the overall outcomes of an individual. Marsha Gale Davis, MD, is a primary care internist and preventionist. Originally from the island of Jamaica, she received her MD from the University of California, San Diego, and completed her residency in the Yale Primary Care Residency Program. She is currently completing additional training in the UCSD Preventative Medicine Residency Program while serving in the role of chief resident. Hi, Dr. Davis. How are you? Good morning, Shireen. So good to speak with you today. I'm very excited. A pleasure to have you on. I am looking forward to our discussion. Um, So diving right in, Dr. Davis, I would love to know what led you to health and medicine? Really, when I decided that I wanted to go into medicine, I actually thought about wanting to um, help my patients get healthy. That was my desire. That was my my, um, interest because I said, as a physician, this is the way that I have impact. Um, This is how I help people. I actually help them to stay healthy. And if they're sick, I help to bring them, I help to bring them back to health. So that was my honest um, answer, you know, my interest in becoming a physician. And I always loved biology. I'm a biology major for a reason. Like I could talk about biology all day. I find biology so interesting, just the way things work naturally. And I think the human body is like pretty much the best, like the most amazing machine on the planet. And I could learn about it all day, which is what I do. So I'm just in the perfect situation. But um, that's really my my thought is that as a physician, this is what I'm able to do. People want to be well. People need to be well? How do I help them, you know, get back to health? Um, how do I heal? How do I help people? That was really my interest. Lovely. You know, you call yourself a preventionist. Now, I'm very curious about that term. What does it mean to be a preventionist? I like the term. I think when people think about it, like, what is that? You know, versus like primary, like preventive uh, medicine physician or a primary care doctor, you know, preventionist is like, it has like a little bit of a ring to it. And I like that because overall, what a preventionist is, is someone who advocates for prevention, someone who believes in the power of prevention, someone who favors, you know, policy of prevention. And I, that's me. I just believe we do not value prevention enough. And we kind of treat prevention like an optional thing, or we kind of treat it like, oh, that's nice. That would be nice if we could prevent some stuff, you know? And it's like, wow, we treat it as an optional thing when it's actually something that we can place energy in, we can put resources in. And when we do that, it has so much impact. So it, it does baffle me a lot that there isn't this type of value that's placed on prevention that it has this inherent value that people don't um, place on it. That's what I believe um, in and, and that's what I am. And on one other thing about that, actually, you know, I am um, getting a training in public health and one of the books we have to read is, is by a well-known epidemiologist who wrote um, essentially the Introduction to Epidemiology textbook. And in it, he has a little section that talks about prevention and treatment. And what he says is that all, too 
often prevention and treatment have been seen as mutually exclusive. And that's exactly what we see in our current healthcare system. Like either we're doing treatment and if we do prevention, that's all in the public. That's all outside. It doesn't come together in the clinical setting as much. And yes, we have from the standpoint of prevention, you have your vaccines, you have screening, you have preventive medication. That's what we consider prevention. But in our world, our current kind of healthcare challenges, that's not enough to really combat that. You know, screenings are not actually dealing with what we call primary prevention. That's dealing with secondary prevention. Primary prevention is preventing the disease from developing in the first place, which I know a lot of people would like. No one wants to say, yes, I'd love some chronic disease, you know, in 10 years. No one no one has that kind of attitude, you know. And so we treated it almost as if it's okay for people to get disease. We we just kind of were very nonchalant and negligent, in my opinion, about that. It's almost as if we have people walking um, on the side of a cliff and we tell them that they need to walk backwards. And so if they fall off because they're walking backwards, they don't see what's happening. They, they're walking, walking. We're like, oh, you're fine. They walk backwards. They fall off the cliff. Um, we don't put any fences there. We don't give them any signs. We don't say, hey, veer off to this side, stay in one line, put the fence there. So if they do happen to bump into it, they bump into it and don't fall over. You know, that's kind of the environment that we live in. And um, we're just incredibly reactive and not proactive about health here. That's a very interesting approach. You know, I want to cover it from, from different lenses. So first, let's talk about the physical, right? So in terms of physical environment, how can an individual create a more health conscious environment for themselves? Mm-hmm. I think because that comes down to kind of the individual choices in a sense and that is just one piece of the whole puzzle that's one one block you know in this wall we're trying to create that helps us to really protect ourselves from disease because it is twofold your individual choices are significantly influenced by your environment both physical and social because that's where culture comes into play and we know how much marketing as you could actually speak way more than i could on that and the power of marketing to actually change on belief system marketing changes what people think, what they believe, a cultural thing, you know, that's the way people live. And that's influenced so much of what we do. And then when you think about your individual choices, it's based off of those beliefs. So we can't speak to individual choices outside of that context. And I think so much of what we do is to do that. We say, oh, um, food industries, usually the the, the, um, conversation is you should have enough willpower to stave off not eating my food if it's not healthy for you. But there's also social responsibility because the impact that you have is just so grand, especially when marketing dollars are being allocated. Like there's actual investment going into marketing. So there, that conversation of you have to be strong enough to withstand the influences, just, it doesn't make any sense. So I, what I think the first thing I talk about is just having kind of inventory on yourself. Where do you feel you are in terms of your health? Status? And a lot of people can determine that accurately for themselves. And when you do that, then you say to yourself, okay, like what do I want for my health? And those questions sound like very trite, like, oh, okay, um, is that going to really do anything but what it is it, it develops awareness and awareness is very powerful and we know that from just meditation that's what meditation does and when you have awareness then you can actually start to behave differently because you have enough time to think about what's happening so you can make a different decision so I think once that happens then you have to think about your physical environment and one of the things that we are often recommended when people are trying to you know change their eating habits is when you're in the store let, let that be the decision of I'm going to determine what comes in my house because it's um better to develop what we call skill power versus relying on willpower. And that's a, a wonderful concept. That's one that Dr. Katz, um, David Katz, he speaks a lot about. And most people like the prevention community talk about create the environment in yourself. Make it hard for you to make the decisions that are not good for your health, but you don't really want to make. And you get frustrated every time you make them and you get mad at yourself. Like, why did I, uh, I don't want to do that? Like, you know what I mean? So there's a way that you can 
and build kind of the system around yourself where, oh, I didn't even bring the hot Cheetos in my house today, you know, but there's one groceries and you don't have access to it because it's not physically there. What happens is when you're at home, things happen. You may get stressed. You come home from a long day of work. Your willpower is variable and it's not going to be strong at that point. So if you want to put yourself in a situation to be at home after fight, you can fight outside, but let it be that at home, it's more of an easy kind of transition, you know, around your different choices that can push you, you know, towards health very easily. So that was the physical environment. I want to then hop over to sort of the social environment, the, the community that you're surrounded by. So what do you feel is the power of community and how does that impact countering health disparities or even impact in health choices? I do believe in the power of community. I just have this belief because I benefited from the power of community, you know, especially, you know, in, in this country and what we know to be the case, you know, the reality that we all live in and especially with all the recent um, conversation that was fueled by a very unfortunate event. One of was the death of um, George Floyd is that we do live in a society that operates differently than we would like. We live in a society um, that has racial inequality um, that's very, very clear. And so that's an environment that we're marinating in on a regular basis. So it's not going to be easy to jump out of that. You know, if you marinate chicken, you can't really get that stuff out of the chicken very easily. It's in there. It's so in there. And so when I think about community, I think about the ability to create kind of a micro environment that can protect you from what the outer environment may be trying to do. And I feel that that's what I would say something I've benefited from in my own rearing, you know, my upbringing. I, I was raised by um, a wonderful, you know, single mother um, who was just intelligent. She was brilliant. Just in how she went about guiding, you know, my, my sisters and I, you know, toward where we are today. We owe everything to her. We're very, I mean, very clear. But it's just the idea that, you know, she put things in place around us. The way that she valued education, that was something she created in our environment. So when we thought about education, it's like something you need to do. This is something that's really important on the people that she surrounded us with. My mom was not about, you know, <laughs> jumping jumping all over the place and going to any and any person's house. She was like, mm -mm, I need to know this person. I need to know who they are. I need to know their values. If I'm not clear on that, you're not going anywhere. And it's funny because like as a child, I was like, man, what's up with this? Like, you know, I can't, I can't even do this. <laughs> but as I got older, it was like, that makes so much sense because you can see how not having that type of vigilance is actually dangerous. You know, you can't just be comfortable with um, having your child just go over any and any person's so house. That's just how we are raised. I think that that's um, just the understanding that you have to be very specific about what you're putting in someone's environment, especially child and all the adults. My mom, well, she just had this knowledge of that thing um, and she put that into place. And as a result, there, my sisters and I all were able to become a successful beings in society. So I think that you can do that with um, culture and community where you can create a new environment. Um, we see that happen with HBCUs, you know, that's a, that's a new environment that's created and you see the type of success that comes from an HBCU. Um, Kamala Harris is the VP of, of the United States. You're into Howard. You know, that is um, creating a community that is able to offset um, what the impact of the larger community could be trying to do. So those are just a couple of examples, one personal and then one more. We talked about the physical environment, the social environment. Next, I'd like to discuss cultural competency. How does cultural competency really translate into the work that you're doing? I think that's just so important because that is the underpinning of, I would say, or related to how bias works itself into healthcare. Um, because I think that's where lack of cultural understanding stems to misunderstanding. Um, that misunderstanding stems, I don't know how to provide care to this person in 
in a way that um, will will be in their best interest. And that's something that is happening on an unconscious level. As we discuss implicit bias and that become a real topic of conversation over the years, actually, just my own experience in residency, um, as an intern, we, we had some conversations around that in a very kind of generic way. But towards the end of residency, there was specific effort in putting that in the curriculum where um, one of our chiefs, she was chief when I was an intern, she ended up um, becoming faculty in our program and she started doing um, a diversity series, diversity curriculum, implementing their um, diversity curriculum in our in our residency. And so that was exposing a lot of people to what is bias? What does implicit bias look like? Have you ever heard of that? Like, what does that look like? And that's important because if it's done with intention to be uh, and truly engaged, if it's more of the checkboxing, then there's no point in doing it because you're not actually thinking. But if you're engaging and thinking about it, you're going to have a different understanding when you're like, huh, I did not think about that because a lot of people, we're still, we're still in this kind of culture where there's this reaction of, I don't want to be seen as someone who's racist. I don't want to be seen as someone who doesn't engage with other cultures. Like that, there's more of a fear of being seen that way versus actually operating in that way. It's very interesting um, that the kind of a phenomenon we see. But when you become aware that everyone has a bias and that's something that you have to, that can't get away from it, then you're less defensive about someone saying, huh, what you did there, what you did there kind of concerned me because I felt like there was some bias in that. Then you're saying, oh, you know what? Thanks for pointing that out to me. Um, let me see how I can work on this because it's something that you have to work on. So I think cultural competency, some people have said they don't like that term um, because it's like you have to get good at culture. It's it really, and that kind of make, can put work into it versus more of a step back and drop down where it's going to be humble about what I'm learning about somebody. I can't get good at it and then be able to tell you more about your own culture because it could them on that side. You know, it could kind of ear on that side of I now have all this knowledge and I'm going to still be in a place of being the expert. No, I'm not like, I'm not the expert in your life. I'm not the expert in your experiences. I need to step back. I need to step down. I need to listen and I need to appreciate you from the standpoint of being a human being. And then I start to build my knowledge from you teaching me. I love it. So with uh, Dr. Davis, we're toward the end of the episode. Uh, at this point, I'd love for our listeners to know how they can connect with you and learn more about your work. Um, so I am, you know, dabbling into the um, IG. I, I joke with my friends that I'm a geriatric millennial. <laughs> And I probably shouldn't say that all low, right? But hey, it is what it is. I am I'm, I'm learning how to be a little bit more tech um, savvy with all of these things. So I'm on IG, um, and I um, really am working to let that be a community that really values, that really promotes prevention. My goal is to make prevention a priority to bring to bring that uh, into the topic of conversation. The way that we have so many things now that weren't on the topic of the conversation that are um, one one particular um, issue now is um, racial inequality and how that literally is up the conversation. The fact that we were able to get into the conversation around the election and that was something that every question had to include that, that that's the power of community again, that they feel that that was a conversation that was um, brought to the forefront. So I want that to be the case of prevention. And I want to um, make prevention popular because that's also cultural um, as well. People think prevention is important. It will be important. So that's really my goal and that's what um, I'd love for people to engage with me on and have conversations and support and share and become about. Sounds great. We'll also um, make sure that your tags are in the show notes so people can find you there and you know follow that um, to be able to follow you on, on Instagram. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Shereen. Um, so with that, Dr. Davis, thank you so very, very much for your time here with us today. Uh, I do want to say this is a great note to end 2019 on. This is going to be our last uh, 2019. God, where am I? I'm in last year. This is a great note 
<laughs> to end. Uh, this is a great note to end. Money, money on. Thank you so much for your time again here with us today. Uh, so listeners, I want to talk to you for a second. Thank you so much for supporting us through 2020, through this crazy, crazy year. We'd love to interact with you. And though we're, we're done for 2020, we want to keep the conversations going. So my question to you is, what are some of the actions you take to build a more health conscious environment in your home, especially around the holidays? Let us know with the post on social media and use the hashtag, hashtag conquering chronic illness. I'm going to say that again. Hashtag conquering chronic illness. And don't forget tag us and to know our tags again, go to the show notes. So with that, thank you so very much for your time and for listening to us. Thank you for listening to the Yumlish podcast with Shireen. If you like our show and want to learn more, you can find information at yumlish.com. You can also leave us a review here. We will see you at the next one. And remember, your health always comes first. So find Yumlish on all the social media accounts linked in our podcast show notes. Our Yumlish socials help you learn more about our mission at Yumlish, keep you updated on helpful tips for managing your diabetes and giving you access to exciting opportunities with Yumlish. With that, to our listeners in Texas, Yumlish will be running a diabetes management course here in the Dallas region. If you are interested, email us at info at yumlish.com and we'll, we'll connect you over to that. Lastly, if you enjoy Yumlish podcasts and know a healthcare expert working in the nutrition space, uh, reach out to us on Instagram to nominate them. Send us a DM telling us who you want to nominate, what they do, and why you believe their work is making a difference in the lives of individuals to conquer chronic illness. Thank you again. Until next time, stay well.